Hello, love. Welcome back to another podcast episode. I thank you for being here. I thank you for being you. I thank you for taking up the space that's needed to survive today. Um, It's been on our minds a lot recently, me and Lucas, that, well, for me, I don't fully feel content. And that'd be a whole other podcast on her episode she'll be releasing that says, like, a lot of emotions that I worked through yesterday and like my full authentic like actually crying in the background so if you want to hear that go check out the sacred jellyfish podcast we posted probably within the next week um but this is just like a side one like while we're eating breakfast this morning and and yeah so you can take it off so as i sit here tomorrow's my birthday and i was thinking like we are in perpetual motion as human beings and some people will look at other people and point the finger and say well they have it together And the truth is no one knows what's happening and plans change. Nothing's consistent. Everything's impermanent. And a lot of the time people present themselves like they have this grand plan and everything's working out perfectly for them. And of course, everything is happening for them, happening for a reason, happening exactly how it's meant to happen. But hard and heavy emotions always come up for everyone. And a lot of people will hide it and they won't show you actually what's going on. But I don't know, I just want to make it known that no one knows what's happening. I'm going to be 19 tomorrow and I have no idea what I want to do in life. I have no idea who I want to become and what I want to fulfill in this life. And it's emotional and overwhelming, but also so beautiful. Yeah, it it's like even the people that put on this front like, oh, I'm like a model and I live in Brooklyn and... I have this beautiful studio apartment and I have this lovely boyfriend or girlfriend or spouse or, you know, a dog in my studio apartment's beautiful. Like they put on this front. I always look at them like on YouTube or TikTok or Instagram. and I'm like, damn, they really have their life together. Like they're planning a trip to Paris to do something with Dior or like whatever. And I'm just like, like, how do I get to that point? Like, I don't want to be a model. I don't want that exact life, but they seem so content. And then when you actually hear their story, if they ever break down and actually say that on the interwebs, it's like they don't know shit. They're literally just as confused as anybody else on this planet. And that goes through my head every single day how everybody seems so content, but they won't offer their actuality of their life. And sometimes that's triggering to know that people out there will put on these fronts of perfectionism but inside they're like hurting really, really bad. And so I try my best to put my vulnerability out on the internet or share that with my friends. And sometimes I get triggered with other people don't do that because I wish I even did it more. But it's it's a space of cultivating within how can we be more actual? I think that's something that I really want to focus on is just being like real. Like if I feel like shit, I'm not going to put on a front saying, oh yeah, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that I trigger you when I do that, when I just escape away from when I'm actually angry or when I actually escape away from when I'm actually upset or sad because often I'll just be like, yeah, I'm okay, but I'm not because then I'll go hide or then I'll just be quiet. And like, it starts with doing that with one other person or just doing it within yourself and just accepting that, yeah, shit might not be okay. And it feels so much better to be real with yourself than to be constantly lying, saying that, oh, one more day, like, I can get through this. If you're just actual with yourself, you can kind of break down and see the patterns. Mm -hmm. And I know we're noticing this especially. Luca just made a podcast on um, perceptions of men. That's also a really great podcast to go 
check that one out as well. Um, again, the Sacred Jellyfish podcast. And we've been perceiving a lot around men, how they put on this front that everything's going to be okay. When actual, they're, they're really, really depressed beings because they're so suppressed. And that is such a almost sad perception for us to have because both of us have these people in our lives that we want so badly to help that we kind of get frustrated with them when they don't masculine people men and when they don't help themselves we get more frustrated and we're trying to learn how to ease up on not caring so much but it's hard because we see their deep sadness because they're scared to express that except and little like sometimes they'll be like they'll say something really really like sad or traumatizing and they're just like oh yeah but it's fine and we're just like oh like, no, it's not okay. Like, you are allowed to cry. You're allowed to be angry. Like, let us hold yeah. space for you. I think it also goes into the idea, too, like, we want to hold space for people, but you can't hold space for someone who doesn't want space being held for them. And it can be really sad when you have the keys for someone, but they aren't willing to take those keys. And that goes into the saying that you can't heal other people. It's like their own journey to heal themselves. And I know in this lifetime, one thing that's going to be really emotional for me is seeing people who can't... Damn, Shorty's crying. <laughs> Good. <laughs> who can't help themselves and you want so badly to help them. And I know like for me, I grew up around a lot of like sadness and deep sadness. And I was always like a really, for the most part, happy child. And I think it was because I was scared to feel a lot of my sadness. And now I'm not as much, but I'm, it still is a little bit of a trigger for me. And I'll see people who are deeply sad. And I want so badly to tell them, like, life is meant to be happy or life is meant to be enjoyed. You don't have to stress yourself out over something that doesn't align with you. You can let it go. You can release. You can move on. But a lot of people are stuck doing the same thing over and over and over again because they think deep down that they're worthy of it. And everyone's going to live the life that they think they're worthy of living. And the universe is going to provide for you opportunities that you think you're worthy of having. And so, I mean, the first thing you really have to do is ask yourself, like, do I feel worthy of living the life that I think I deserve? And figuring out the blockages behind that. And that's only for you to figure out, too. Someone can't just push you up against the corner and be like, do you think you're worthy of this fucking life? Because that's traumatizing and... I mean, yeah, it's for you to figure out, and it's really hard seeing other people who aren't wanting to figure it out. Yeah, and sometimes we do get to the point, like, I notice myself within your connection, Luca, with this person. Like, me, when the person that I was talking to would not pursue his dreams in the way that I was just like, hey, I want to go do this thing, do you want to join me there, or... For instance, or like whatever the thing was where it was money coming up or whatever, I'm just like, I really wanted to push this person into something and I know now you're doing that. And so now I notice myself within that and it's really, really interesting to have that third person perspective of, oh, I can't be hard with them because it's also like my mom. Like my mom is like an army drill sergeant. Yeah. She, but her, that's her way of loving. Like I even, I told her and my dad, like the perceptions that I have by being gone and moved out of the house. And they're like, yeah, we're so hard on you because we love you. And I'm like, to me, that doesn't feel like love. That feel like they're like army drill sergeants where they're like, if you don't do this, you're going to fail in life. But that's their way of saying, oh, I love you. But for me, I'm just like, that fucking hurts. So I'm realizing that the more that we do that to them, I'm sure they might feel the same yeah, way. that makes sense. And then the more you 
persist with them, the more they're going to resist. So we just right. have to be gentle with them and mm-hmm. allow themselves to take up the space that they need to take up in the form that they're wanting to show up as right. and just allowing them to show up that way. And all we can do is, like, plant the seed. And I think that's what right. I really just need to do is, like, I've planted the seed multiple mm-hmm. times now, and I'm just going to see if the seed is wanting to crack open and bloom into something more. Right. And if not, that's their journey. But I know also deep down in my heart that with your connection, you planted the seed, and he's always going to remember you for that. Yeah. And right. I know the same with my connection, too, with this person mm-hmm. is they're always going to remember us for being that person who's unlocked something within them. Now yeah. it's their choice to see if they actually want to further that road, further that idea. Right. Yeah, I think that one day they will. I have, like, this vision. I don't know if it's a projection or if it's actual truth, like a, a premonition type situation. But I see, like, after we've gotten more, we're not so attached to these ideas of people outside of us. But they're going to come back to us and they're going to say, okay, I'm ready to work with you. Yeah. I am ready to actually learn about what you had to say because before, before for me, but now for you, it's I could plant seeds, but they're, the person I'm talking about was not ready. And the person you're talking about probably maybe not is ready right now, mm-hmm. but they will. They'll look back and they'll say, oh, I want freedom. And they'll be like, who gave me that taste of freedom through my being and it's going to be luca or for me and like my instance it's going to be highly unless they have somebody else doing that but that this planting of seed for them is very very rare and i don't mean like put us on a pedestal sometimes when i talk about things like this people are probably like oh they think they're so great <laughs> and we do think we're fucking awesome but we're not saying it in the way to like heighten our ego we're saying it in the way that we hold a lot of space and you hold so much space for me. I hold so much space for you. And that's so weird because a lot of our other friends can't do that for us either. Yeah. Like, they can hold it. Okay, so... Okay. Yeah, so one thing that does trigger me and is one of my biggest triggers and wounds is I know, like, growing up around depression, something that is directly linked to depression, trigger warning, is, like, self-harm and KM. And I know for me, like, one of my biggest things that scares me is I will attract someone who is deeply sad, and obviously that's going to be a shadow for me because I'm, like, kind of scared of, like, deep, deep sadness. And I'm scared that one day I'll be so deeply saddened that I will end up K-ing myself. And I obviously know, like, it won't happen, but, like, there's the chance, like, anything could happen, and I'm scared that one day I'll attract someone who's deeply depressed I'll help them to the best of my ability and they'll still end up self-harming and doing that stuff. And I feel like I'll feel so guilty for it to the point where I jump off a cliff. Wait, so what was the beginning that you were saying this of? You were saying triggering people deeply. Yeah, I feel like I'm scared to project a shadow onto someone who's like, that's their deep shadow. Mm -hmm. They're going to look at it and be like, holy shit, like epiphany moment but at the same time this is so overwhelming this is such a big epiphany i'm not ready for this right now and they just spiral Mm, and i'm scared of like causing someone to spiral like that because i know like growing up if i did something like drop something on the floor and my mom was already having a really overwhelming day she's gonna take that and be like i'm done this is my last straw i'm gonna go in my room and you'll never see me again i'm gonna fucking k myself and i felt like it was all my fault And so now, like, obviously, I try not to 
be around people who are deeply triggered like that where I like spill something and they just like go off on me like that's a really big wound for me and like Mm -hmm. self-harm and like someone being like oh you dropped something well now I'm gonna like beat the fuck out of you (laughs) like it's triggering and I think like since that is my big wound I'm scared that later in life I'm gonna attract people who present that wound to Mm -hmm. me because that's usually what the universe does like they give your deepest wound you're gonna have reflections of that on and on and on and on and I'm scared that I'm gonna attract someone who is like that who just snaps and it's going to be all my fault and I'm going to feel so guilty for it Mm. yeah yeah I never really had that experience I mean I did have a friend this was a couple years ago where they were like you're the only reason why I'm still alive please don't leave me and I literally had to set that boundary with them and I was like I if you're going to lean on me for your last result in life I am I can't I was like, I can message your parents if you want me to. I can get you some help if you want to. But I was like, I'm not going to be your only reason for living. That's not okay. I know that that was literally your whole childhood. So if that triggered just me from one person, I'm sure having a parent that was your only guardian at a time say that was unbelievably potent through, like, yeah, that's only... But, like, at the same time, I feel like I I crave it. Like, I crave the idea that someone needs me this much that I'm, like, they're, I'm the thing that keeps them alive. Like, for some aspect of myself craves that. Mm-hmm. Like, I crave being needed and wanted so badly now because it was, like, such a thing growing up. Like, that was, like, the thing that was such a big theme. And so now I'm, like, okay... One, this hurts really bad, mm-hmm. feeling like I'm someone's happiness, someone's joy. Like, it hurts, and it ha- holds a lot of guilt behind it. But at the same time, I'm like, my mind and my subconscious thoughts are like, but I want this, but I need this, but this is, like, my purpose in life is being people's last resort, being people's, like, thing that keeps them alive. Like, that's my purpose. Like, because I found so much purpose behind it growing up. And I found so much meaning behind it. I would wake up in the morning and be like, okay, my job today is to keep this person happy. My job today is to make this person not want to self-harm. That's my job today. And I was like a 13-year-old going through that. And so now I almost like label myself as that person. It's really interesting that you say that because I remember I triggered that aspect or this aspect in you where you were triggered that I started being clingy almost. Yeah. And then you started running away. But so you crave it at the same time where yeah. you're like, fuck no, don't do that. Yeah. So it is like a really big back and forth thing. Like mm-hmm. I know when you were doing that and we were like first that you were, we were both becoming hyper dependent on each other. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what goes into it too. Like mm-hmm. I was dependent on my mom and she was dependent on me. So I kind of crave subconsciously that connection where we're both dependent on each other. One can't leave or the other one will leave mm-hmm. type of situation. But at the same time, it's it gives me a full body reaction. Like it starts yeah. in my yeah. stomach and mm-hmm. it travels up and spreads through my chest into mm-hmm. my arms. Mm-hmm. And like it feels like when you smoke nicotine for example and you see those videos where it like goes into your lungs and it like spreads like a tree roots mm-hmm. that's like the feeling it it spreads so intensely over my chest and my heart space i just feel so sad yeah it's, just, it's very interesting mm-hmm. what I else do you want to say about that i think that's why i have a hard time like opening up 
to people too. And I don't know, sometimes I feel really resistance with a lot of resistance with giving my love out to people. Mm-hmm. Because I also understand, like, yes, my love is very potent. And once I do know that someone does value me a lot, I'm going to give them everything I have. Yeah. And I'm scared of doing that to so many people. And I don't know, sometimes I, I'll i try to, like, block my heart off to situations. And that's why it is really hard for me to open up to people. Like, even at my job, I was there for eight months. And I opened, only opened up to one person. And now I guess like two people because mm-hmm. he wanted my connection. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, it takes a lot for me to open up to people because I'm scared that they'll need me and I'll feel like I have to be there for them. Mm-hmm. It's scary. Yeah, that's freaking terrifying. Like we already have to take care of, we already have to take care of our human vessel and then yeah. the thought of having to take care of another person like, that's an even deeper, more profound situation where we are already confused within our being. We're already confused about our existence. We're already confused about what's happening in this reality of us. And then somebody else needs our attention. And unless we offer it, it's hard for us to even hold space for them. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I have a question that you can answer on this podcast. Okay. Did you already wash your face this morning? Yes. So why are you washing your face again? No, I didn't wash it this morning. Oh, you didn't oh, wash no. it this morning? No. But I will say that is like a compulsive thing where I'm just like, I need to wash my face. Mm-hmm. I'll just start like asking you like, and why you're doing it. Like there's no criticism. So we both have, everybody has their ways of coping. So my ways of coping is I'll pick up my scalp until it bleeds, until my my scalp is, like, marked up and it hurts. I'll pick up my face until, like, pieces on my face are bleeding, and I'll binge eat until I'm so full I almost want to puke. Those are my ways, and disassociating on my phone by scrolling. Like, as soon as I come home from work or a long day, I'll just immediately go on my phone to just disassociate. And... Do you want me to say yours or do you want to say yours? <laughs> so Lucas is also, A, disassociating from scrolling, but also having control over the physical body. So now whenever she goes to change her clothes again, to change her appearance, I question. I'll say, hey, are you doing it because maybe your clothes stink or you need to change? Or is that because you want to gain control? And questioning each other, like when Luca notices that I'll start picking, it's like, are you anxious? Like questioning each other. And it gains a new perspective of at least somebody is there to know that we're not alone in that in that manner. And so, like, right now, Luke is washing her face. So I questioned, I was just like, or using these face yeah. rollers. So I questioned him, like, did you already wash your face? Or are you doing it because you're anxious and you need control? She hadn't washed her face yet, so she just said that. Yeah. And but, I mean, I think it is because I'm anxious, too. Like, at yeah. the same time, I did want to need to wash my face, but at the same time, just, like, well, I'm anxious. It's like, it gives me something to do, though, too. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, like, my existence is still valuable because I'm washing my face. My existence is still, like, important. It, like, mm-hmm. it reminds... Oh, it, I feel like it reminds myself that um, I'm also... I also need to be taken care of. I don't, I don't really... I really don't know where it roots from. I just know that my mom, growing up, she would 
wash her face a lot. That was like kind of her way of coping. So I don't know if I picked that up from her. Like mm-hmm. she would have a lot of anxiety. And so what she would do, she would go in the bathroom and do like a 30 minute face routine. And then when I would go to kiss her, she'd be like, do not touch my face. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just like, I think I picked it up from her. Yeah. I, I think we honestly pick up a lot of our coping from other people. Like I never picked up my scalp until I had this fifth grade friend who now I know is had trauma from her household but she would pick at her scalp and she would get like the white um I don't know what's on the scalp but it's like it's not dander but it's like um your scalp's protectant and you if you pick at it you'll get like white stuff underneath your nails dandruff but it's not it's like an oil so it's not quite dandruff it's not flaky I don't know what it is, but it's like it's my type. Of, it's I I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I think I growing up I kind of did the same thing. Yeah, and so she doing it, it looked so healing and so releasing. So I started doing it, and now that's my thing. Is I'll pick at my scalp until that white layer is like gone. I'll pick at my scalp until it hurts. But I never had that as my own thing. Until, I picked it up from her, and. The really interesting thing here is Luca's way of coping in a healthy way is playing with her hair. So she'll take her hair, I think, in her her left hand and she'll play with it. And when I was a child in school, I would play with my hair with my left hand as well. My hair was always in my hands. As soon as I knew how to braid, when I, as soon as I would sit down at my desk, I would be braiding my hair. I would be playing with my hair. I would be doing something with my hair until I had a teacher who was just who sent a letter to my mom who said, your daughter plays with her hair way too much and you need to tell her to stop doing that. And the teacher would yell at me in class. That was my way of coping. And that teacher made me so embarrassed to the point I had to stop. And I held shame about that until I came here and I noticed Luca did it so much. And now I, instead of picking at my scalp, I'll try to play with my hair. I'll try to braid it. I'll try to fidget with just like my hair in general instead of scratching at my scalp or scratching at my face. And it's so interesting how society says that we can't cope in these ways. And it's it's really disappointing. Like I do hold a lot of anger towards that because... Even as a kid, I would talk a lot because I didn't feel very acknowledged as a child. And I had one teacher who literally wrote down in my pencil box what I had to keep on my desk. She says, these are the only questions you're allowed to ask in class. You talk way too much. I'm sending a letter to your mom. Automatically, I was way too much. Automatically, I talked way too much. And so I started being silent because that teacher literally bullied me into being quiet. She would like pick me out in class like, you're talking too much. You need to go sit in the corner. And I was just like, I didn't get acknowledgement as a child. So I was like, this is my only way of feeling like I can be seen and heard is in school, which I'm here seven. No, I'm here five days a week. Oh, God, I'm so happy we did not have to go to school seven days a week. Um, And that just oh god I hold so much resentment towards those two teachers that just stopped me from playing with my hair and stopped me from talking too much and even in middle school I had this one teacher where I would just be like talking to my friends at my table and he put me out in the hallway he said you talk too much you're too distracting that was my only way of coping then too and I think that's why I have so much resentment towards school is because they always made me feel like I was stupid or too much Teachers would always like have something bad to say at teacher conferences about me. It was never good. If I didn't get good grades, then didn't get acknowledgement at home, you know, and all these things. And so it's really, really interesting how all these things trickle down into this like, um, what I'm, I'm 
imagining like that thing where you like you flick a penny and it like goes around in a circle and falls in a hole and they have it in like museums like it funnels down and um all these things funnel down from different depths and different areas of our existence and it shows us things that we didn't even know about ourselves until we actually can gain this awareness and the fact that a lot of people don't know these things like I remember one time I've always been like pretty deep into observing people and I've always wanted to like heal people but like with the guys in my past I would try to heal them like be their mother and I remember one time I was talking to this guy and like I had him open up and then we were talking about stuff and I'm like oh this is the reason why you're like this and he's like damn you know me better than I know myself and I thought about that and I was like yeah I guess I do and I realized that a that could have been a criticism but b I observed things about him that he didn't even realize within himself. He didn't even realize where they are surface level or deeper because he was too scared to understand himself. And a lot of us, we do this where we don't feel safe enough to have this space to be able to know ourselves deeply when we're the only thing that we have throughout our life. And I'm realizing that my parents are anxious because they're always angry And that's their way of gaining control. And even though I resent them for ever taking the anger out on me, I realize that it's just because, A, my mom's explained to me that her mom never asked about her growing up. My grandmother made everything about her. And that was because my grandma was extremely depressed growing up. So I can only imagine what my mom went through. So I'm adopted by my aunt. So my aunt is my mom and my biological mom. It's kind of confusing. So both my mothers, how they didn't get seen as kids and so therefore they lash out the way that they do in this life my biological mom drug addict that was her way of gaining attention in her own way a lot of drug addicts do something because they know that they're going to get resistance from other people which is going to gain them attention and my biological mother she or not my biological mother my adopted mother she's a very um angry person like she holds a lot of resentment i can tell that and i've always resented that about her but i'm realizing that that's her way of gaining control And so I can either sit here and I can be angry at her, like I've spent so much time, or I can just say, this is the way that you are because you didn't get acknowledged as a child. And then my father, he, his dad always says that he, that he wasn't enough apparently. And, um, so I, I can notice that in him. And so I sent a paragraph to him and I was just like, I know why you're saying so angry, like when people don't think you're enough, you lash out. And I realized that because I do the same thing. When somebody makes me feel like I didn't do enough, I immediately break down. For instance, I have two instances that I'm thinking about. My grandmother called my mom and was just like, I'm no longer going to give your kids gifts unless they write me thank you letters. And I got so pissed off and I started crying because immediately I felt like I wasn't enough. I'm like, I give her hugs. I give her thank yous. I you know, I spend time with her and that's not enough. Like I do all these things and she wants a thank you letter. And if I don't, she's not going to give me a gift. That didn't seem very fair to me. And I started like lashing out. I'm like, well, fuck her. Like I do all these things. I would much rather want like, I love you or thank you in person than have it be like a lash out type of situation or have it be, oh, I need to write you a letter like by later on. Like that didn't quite make sense to me. And so, I don't know why I said lash out for some reason that had to come out, but it wasn't really towards that. Um, and so then another instance happened where, um, what was the thing? Oh, it was when your grandpa 
and you were one morning you came downstairs and you're like yeah you need to find a job and I was already like thinking about getting a job but I wasn't moving out here in Colorado and it triggered me because I was like oh my god I'm not fucking enough like oh my god like I have to get a job now what I'm having a panic attack okay um I'll meet you out in a minute and so um I was just like, I don't feel enough now because now I have to get a job. I'm too much, like, um, because here, the high cost of living is crazy. Like, the more water we use, the more issues there are, um, and the more that I, you know, run the dishwasher or I take a shower or the food that I eat, all of it levels down into this big money trauma. And so for me, I was just like, holy fucking shit, like, I'm too much. Like, me being here is way too much. And I'm not enough because as soon as I came here, now we started talking about you have to use less water and you have to use a dishwasher less. So I felt like I was too much, even though that wasn't really the case. But it put me into a spiral where they wanted to go out and play pickleball. And I said, I'm not going with you because I was just like sobbing all morning that morning because I felt like I was too much. And so everybody just wants to be loved. Everybody just wants to be acknowledged. And it's it's really, really difficult to hold that compassion for people when we don't understand that that's how it is. Excuse me. I remember being in the car with my mom, my sister, and my friend. And my friend in front of my family asked me like a trauma question about her family, about my perception of trauma in the car with my family. Um, and my mom was like, wow, surprised that they asked that. And I was like, yeah, um, me too. And I said something and I said, your parents did that because they just want to be loved. And my little sister was so pissed off. She was taking a psychology class and they didn't talk about, because in psychology, they don't talk about why people do what they do. They do in the way of blaming, but they don't do it in the way of everybody wants to be loved. They don't talk about that in psychology or psychiatry. They don't, from what I've learned. And that part really, really just grinds my gears is because we just want to be loved. We just wanted to be heard. And I said that. And my sister started arguing with me. And she's just like, no, it's because of this reason. I was like, no. When you break it down, everybody just wants to be loved. You're probably correct on the other psychology point of view. But everybody just wants to be loved. That's why they're acting out. That's why they're acting this way. Is because they can't, A, give themselves that love. So they're going to lash out at their kids. They're going to lash at their parents. They're going to lash at their siblings or their aunts, or their cousins, or whoever's closest to them, because they want to be loved. When people are angry, it's literally a outreach. So when we get angry at people, and we leave them alone, it creates a bigger trauma. And I know it's really, really hard to just sit with people when they're angry, and a lot of the times we can't. But for instance, sometimes my friends, they lash out in an angry way, and I want, and I I refuse to be angry, because I grew up with an angry family. I just refuse that. When I feel anger, I just push it down and then it comes back up as sadness because anger is just a hard shell on the outside of pain and so I'll cry it out but sometimes my friends will lash out and I realize that when people lash out at me all I do is run and I will literally hide like I will literally hide somewhere but instead I really want to work on saying can I just hold you can I just sit with you because you're lashing out because you want to be seen? So instead of hiding and making them deal with it alone, saying, can I just sit with you? And, you know, try not to lash out at me, please. Like, can I just allow you crying in my arms? Whatever the circumstances. But 
again, this episode is just circling back around. Um, I'm going to go check up on Luca. But this episode is literally just circling back around to why, like, in this life we feel so uncontent. And I've been having a really, really hard time with being present and just being okay with everything. And that will be in the other episode um, from Luca, the Sacred Jellyfish podcast, where I literally am breaking down crying on this podcast and talking about why I'm so scared about not being present and how I don't feel enough. Um, but I think I'm just going to end this podcast here. So this is kind of like a tag team episode, but I love you and I'm sending you so much joy. And if you're feeling deeply, just feel it. Please do not push it away. Um, have somebody hold you or do what you love, but Yeah, I'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.